This episode of The Startup Life is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Startup Nation, Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, they work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis transforming their lives and the future we share. Startup Nation, right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime. It threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring lifelong learning. And for $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. And there's many other ways you can help support Startup Nation. So go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org forward slash savekids. So if you're ready to make a difference, Startup Nation, remember, savethechildren.org. Make the change for children. This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Payoff.com sponsors this episode of The Startup Life. Startup Nation, you've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt. And that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a payoff loan may also include a personal credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com forward slash the startup life to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. And if you listen to the replay on the podcast, the link is there in the show notes. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Now all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com forward slash the startup life. It's time to be about that life. The startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. Hey, Startup Nation. So I hope you were able to see you some value today. We have a returning champion in the building today. We have Miss Kat Gordon of Muddy's Bake Shop. How's it going, KG? It's going great. It's a beautiful day at our Broad Avenue kitchen. Awesome stuff. Are you ready to once again pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? Oh, hopefully. I feel like I've learned a lot since we last <laughs> talked, um, always. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to a follow-up. Well, let's do it. All right. As always, Startup Nation, this is the Startup Life Podcast with your host, Dominic Lawson, and it's brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, what's been going on since we last spoke? 
Oh my gosh, Give I feel us an like update. so much. I think one of the most compelling things that I think you'll be interested in, mm -hmm. Dominic, is we have been doing a lot more teaching at Money's uh, this yes. last couple of years. I've noticed. So that's been really exciting, having mm -hmm. people, in fact, just yesterday had a group in here. Listeners, you can't see where we are. We are in what we call our flex room or room of requirement. It okay. is a glorified storage room. <laughs> extra production space. And we had a group here uh, yesterday, actually about 14 folks crammed into the space to mm -hmm. learn our approach to visioning. We've been doing a lot of those. It's been really fun to have people over at our kitchen. Gotcha. So I think that's sort of the big uh, new thing that we've been doing. Also just, of course, a whole lot of baking. We've right. been doing more of team course. development, of more course. recipes, all that good stuff. Well, let me ask you this, Kat, just a quick follow-up. So why the shift in the more of the educating of the consumer and what's going on here at Muddy's? Why that approach? I think that that's the thing. Any person, you know, maybe it's getting a little bit older. Maybe mm -hmm. it's recognizing there's definitely an entrepreneurism boom happening in our community. Right. Even within established businesses. You know, I think that that spirit of entrepreneur isn't just happening with new ventures. I see a lot of, of mm -hmm. the, the establishment, right, so to speak, right. really looking at things in creative new ways and really wanting to explore how to do what they're doing more deeply. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we're no different. We're constantly learning, constantly improving. And I think it's so much in the spirit of, you know, just what's happening in Memphis that when you're figuring stuff out, you want to share it with your friends and neighbors right. and, you know, a, rising tide lift all boats Absolutely. sort of mentality. So it's exciting. And of course, you know, when you teach mm -hmm. people, absolutely. you learn. You do. You absolutely do. That's, that's the beauty of doing this podcast and stuff like that. Yeah. You get to talk to many different people from many different walks of life and you get to just pick up nuggets here and there and you try to see if you can implement it in what you do in your life and system and stuff like that. So right. yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So I, I want to ask you this because I was checking out Jennifer Chandler's content over at 91.9, uh, 91.1, sorry, a local NPR affiliate yeah. here in Memphis. And you were talking about peach season <gasps> and yes. getting, re getting ready for it. So tell us about that preparation. What's peach season? How do you prepare for it? Let us, let oh us know if uh, all there is to know about that. Well, I feel like anytime you're talking about produce, mm. a quote unquote season shifts a little bit year to year. Right. I think it is something, you know, food people definitely think about. But, you know, for most of us city dwellers, we're not always totally in tune with what is actually in season sure, and what sure. isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, so peach season every year feels like a moving target for starters. <laughs> and peaches are really difficult to grow. Okay. I mean, that's sort of like the black belt ninja level oh, okay. uh, fruit to grow and all sorts of interesting things like Peaches, I think, need six inches between each of them. So if you have really? one branch that has lots of peaches and another branch that doesn't have a lot, mm -hmm. I mean, it can just break your heart. As a farmer, you need to go through and prune your fruitful branch just because they need so much. They need so much space and they need so many leaves. Right. That's crazy because I mean, you, you. I mean, obviously, it's science involved, right? But right. Like, there's a serious, like, there's a whole nother level that we don't even think of that's so important. Right. I didn't realize that. And you know, the water needs are really interesting. So there have been some summers where we just haven't even had peach pie because mm. the availability of really gotcha. delicious peaches, you know, it hasn't been a great season for them. For sure. So this year we were able to get our hands on just buckets of delicious fresh peaches. We got 500 pounds of peaches wow. here to do a limited run of peach pies and take and bake peach crisps. Ooh. And it was incredible. Normally when you walk into our kitchen space, you smell baking chocolate, you smell mm. you know, toasting. We you know, toast all of our nuts in the oven before right. baking them and things. So those are the smells that you're greeted with for about a week and a half. When you walk through our doors, you just smelled peaches. We were washing, slicing. Uh, you know, we had them spread out on every available surface out here in the flex room. Right. And we were all taking rotations of mm. slicing the peaches. So somebody would finish a task they were doing and then come over and do 15 <laughs> minutes on peach duty. And we just had it set up for ages. So it was like a peach party. In the That's kitchen. crazy. That's crazy. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I want to ask you about something you said last time we spoke, right? And so when you started Muddy's around 2008, you talked about some of the concerns fr fr uh, friends and family had. Right. Yeah. This is 2008, economic downturn, situation, <laughs> right. just that and the other. So here you are almost 12 years in the game. Yeah. Right. And so now there are you know, fears now of a, a possible recession or anything like right. that. Let me ask you this. For, for those out there who are thinking about starting a company right now, yeah. clearly you, you've kind of been through that part. 
What lessons did you learn in 2008 that you can impart on an entrepreneur this go around who may be facing the same type of right you know, potentially a yeah, shaky potentially, yes. environment? That is such a great question, Dominic, and I'm so glad you asked because honestly, you know, I am established, and mm-hmm. it will be right a dozen years. Right this this coming year is a leap year Absolutely. too, so we will. Right. We will officially turn three, which is <laughs> our birthday is fe- February 29th. We did not plan that. Ahead really? Of time. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Do many yeah. people know that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think that many people do, but it's okay. so, I mean, halfway through so opening day, there was this realization <laughs> like, oh, it's it's leap day. Technically, okay. Muddy's is three years old. We will be three. Okay, fair summer. enough. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you um, <laughs> But no, I think this is a great question because it's one that I probably also need to be asking myself pretty okay. routinely as an established business going sure. into a potentially sure. shaky time. Right. But I think some of the things that looking back, I did well, or I'm glad that I did really discerning between needs and wants. Mm-hmm. This is important to do at any point starting a business. Right. But I think especially um, if you think you're going to be doing that during a shaky economic time, you know, the second you take out your business license, mm-hmm. you get inundated with emails and phone calls of yes. people selling you goods yes. and services, yes. things that are going to make running your business a breeze, which mm. spoiler alert, running a business <laughs> won't be a breeze. Don't right. believe someone's sales pitch. <laughs> really having a firm idea of, okay, you have limited resources, whatever industry you're going into, mm-hmm. nobody has infinite resources. So really determining what am I going to spend money on that's going to have the most impact and what are the things that I can get secondhand or the things that I can do without? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's really tempting to just go out and whether you're working with your own savings or an investor's money or whatever, think, oh, I have to have this. I have to have that. Right. We didn't get a point mm. of sale system for six years, maybe. You know, right. we just, we had wow. the $100 cash register from Office Depot. Gotcha. And like, maybe we waited a little too long where that data could have been helpful. But Fair if enough. I had spent that kind of money right out of the gate, mm-hmm. not even knowing what sales capacity we were going to have, I mean, that would have been a silly expenditure. I would have been right. over purchasing a capability that I didn't need at, at, that, time. at that scale or that right. time. Yeah. Sure. So I think just spending the time to think about those things um, and being proactive about mm-hmm. those choices, because it really can be easy to get sold. On things, even when a salesperson might have your best interests at heart. Absolutely. I'm glad you pointed that out, Kat, because a lot of times when people start businesses and stuff like that, one of the things they kind of worry about is being seen to be taken seriously, right? And sometimes we make those purchases so we can be seen as, you know, like I'm, I'm really a business owner, right? Oh, and Dominic, so, that's so insightful mm-hmm. because it, I didn't even think about like the emotional piece of right. that is we're of course always nervous that someone's going to find out that we're like, oh, I'm a, I'm like not fine. really knowing right. what we're exactly. doing. And yes, I think that's exactly <laughs> letting right. that sort of ethos be making those decisions. Like right. it's okay to feel that way, but I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause I think we have a lot of conversations with startup nation about that very thing. So thank you for sharing that for sure. So Startup Nation, when you go to Muddy's uh, website, the link is there in the show notes for easy access. Uh, there's a very cool blog that's written on there as well. And I want to ask you about one of those blog posts, if I may. So you talk about the kind of like the finances of running Muddy's, right? And the, the really delicious looking pie chart that you made Thank on there, you. right? <laughs> I want to kind of dive into that blog post just a little bit if I could. You talk about in that piece about raising prices, right? Right, And that's one of the hardest things an entrepreneur or a business owner has to do. And I imagine when you have t- uh, a team like you have here at Muddy's, almost 50, almost, almost yeah. 50 now, right? Talk about that decision, but also talk about how you talk to your team about making that decision. Because normally when there's raising of prices, it's usually your team who has to talk to the conversation conversation with the customer. So talk about that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, it really is a hard thing. And it's something that I think, you know, we were talking a second ago about that feeling of, oh, I'm an amateur. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm doing. You know, always wanting to seem like I know, know my stuff. And I'll say this is one of those areas where even after... 12 years of doing this, I probably feel, you know, the least confident sometimes. Mm. And I'm aware that my tendency is to wait too long to do those price increases. Right. It's the kind of thing I'm trying to give myself the advice. Like, okay, well, if you do that more regularly, 
you know, doing the annual audit right. can be right. smaller pieces more frequently that that mm-hmm. probably is the smarter way to do that. And then I still just, oh, it's like I will do <laughs> anything. I will find other things that need to be done right. to avoid that. So I'm really conscious that that's a weakness of mine. Gotcha. Uh, so writing that blog post, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you read it and enjoyed that. Absolutely. Because that was, I mean, even writing that and sharing that was, you know, felt very vulnerable. Um, I, I imagine. So when you're talking about a business owner who always have, who already has like certain things that you like, you not necessarily don't want to disclose, but it's like, it kind of exposes you a little bit. Right. And so to put that out there, I thought it was quite powerful personally. Thank you. No worries. And I think, you know, you wonder, you always imagine people have different reactions and there's so much, I think there's so much emotion and baggage that people have with money, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, either true. not having enough of it or on the other end, being afraid to think you have too much. Right. And I really was conscious putting that out there that in some ways it was also going to be admitting to everybody like, how little money and then, (laughs) you know, and feeling like, Oh my gosh, what if I put this out there? And people are just like, yeah, you're clearly running your business wrong. If this is the situation, there was just a lot there, but it's been so helpful practicing open book finances in the business for, wow. I mean, seven years now maybe Mm -hmm. has been such good practice because my coworkers have made it be this really safe space to be able to talk about money and be able to talk about what we're spending and how much we're charging. So not to say that 49 people are always on the same page about everything, but I think that the longer we practice you know, open book finance and open book management Mm -hmm. as a team, the easier and easier these conversations become um, you know, it's almost like with your family, you can kind of practice a little bit right. how that's going to go. That's and true. If you fail or if you don't word it correctly, you know, they might razz you a little bit <laughs> right. and they're going to hold you accountable to right. it, but that's still a safer place. And so when we go out and have those conversations with our broader community, I think we're just a little bit better equipped. Right. And we know the reasons because, you know, right. everybody's been able to see supply costs going true. up. Everybody can see Absolutely. labor costs going up. Mm-hmm. Um, we know when we get that point of sale system yes. or when we need to invest in a new piece of technology, mm-hmm. it's the internet. Everything is running on subscription services now. So right. you have, that's true. You know, your point of sale <laughs> has the equipment, but then also the monthly fee right. just to keep doing it. And so I think the more everybody can see that, the more buy-in there is. Right. And everybody has the customer's best interest at absolutely. Heart too. Absolutely. And I think so that's that conversation the, happens. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the most important thing to remember, Startup Nation. It, it really is all in the best interest of the customer because sometimes we have to make those hard decisions just to make sure we stay in business for the customer to enjoy a delicious right. pie, a delicious cookie or cupcake or whatever the case may be. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank for you. Sure. It makes finance more fun and you can make a chart look like a pie. So, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Know, there's it, that. It, it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was going to actually, you brought it up, but I want to kind of dive into it a little bit. The open book management yeah. piece. Is this part of the you trying to be on the education piece and stuff like this? Is that what the, all this is a part? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so open book is something I learned from my friend Maggie, who has Zing Train business training okay. um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and she learned it from Jack Stack, okay. um, who is I mean has a book on it and right. multiple things. A lot of people have probably heard of the Great Game of Business. Mm-hmm. So that's what our system is based on, and we've been practicing it for, like I said, maybe seven years. And yeah, I mean, I love that you connected that with the education piece because I think so much of, you know, the education that we're doing in community started with educating ourselves. Right. And it starts with, I need to learn something or a manager needs to learn something. If we find that it is helping us and effective, then naturally we want to share it with our team and then empower those folks. And I think it's the next logical step that like, oh, well, if our core organization is clearly made better by this, we should be sharing it. people outside of our team. And it's interesting in a business because depending on the industry, your team is also constantly changing. That's true. So while we have been practicing open book for seven years, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that everyone on our team has been involved with it for seven years. So then there's this interesting thing of reteaching within an organization Mm. Um, as new people join that team. Right. Okay. It's important to bring them up to speed. It's important to share the information, 
with them as well, right. which then keeps us practicing teaching it internally, which then for means sure. we're learning it better. Absolutely. So that continues to build. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it. I appreciate that. And the reason I thought this piece was fascinating is because, and I'll just say this before we move on. I think it's fascinating because I personally believe that as business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever the case may be, I think there's should be some type of aspect of putting back into the educational or the entrepreneurial space, right? I do it with this podcast. You do it with, you know, the piece that you write on all the other initiatives that you have. So I appreciate you sharing that for yeah, sure. Thank you. No worries. So what books are you reading right now? What podcast are you listening to? Okay. Share, share some stuff I, with us. I'm so happy you asked what podcast. This is going to be the dorkiest thing that I admit to. I was going to say today, probably not even today, maybe gotcha. just like this hour. Mm-hmm. But currently I've been really obsessed with this podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Okay. Okay. Which I feel like combines multiple interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was an English literature major. So anytime gotcha. I can nerd out about books, fantastic. Absolutely. But yeah, it's you also got a fan looking, over here. Yes. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I'm so happy right now. Um, but yeah, it's like exploring also there's that uh, academic aspect as well. So I guess you could call me an amateur theologian also. <laughs> so uh, these two divinity school students are essentially taking practices that different religious traditions have used to examine sacred texts, mm-hmm. you know, for depth of understanding and discernment. And right. they are taking these practices and applying them to the Harry Potter book series. Okay. So not the movies, the books. Right. But it's been so fascinating because by going deep on just, I mean, a book, I feel like it could be almost any book actually. Mm-hmm. I've been learning a whole lot from them about okay. different ways that you can mm. examine what you're reading and right. different different ways to sort of play with that. So I've been nerding out hardcore okay. on that. Like that has been what's playing in my car as I travel between locations <laughs> mm-hmm. and like get ready in the morning. But that and then I feel like Krista Tippett's podcast on being is okay. so fantastic. Absolutely. And Absolutely. again, I think sparks to that Absolutely. that creative, curious, like, oh, talking to people that I didn't even know existed or I'm not familiar with what they have written, but mm-hmm. hearing them kind of talk about inspiring them or questions they're wrestling with just has been so interesting lately. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing it. I appreciate that. So let me ask you this, Kat. Let's, let's think big picture here. What do you see as the next big, big thing in your industry when it comes to pastries, mm-hmm. uh, pies, cupcakes? What do you see as the next big thing? You clairvoyant for us a little bit. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. This is strange. This isn't something I've given a ton of thought to, which I'm now a little self-conscious to admit out loud because it seems like <laughs> maybe I should have. Gotcha. But I feel like the next big thing is actually going to be a lot of small things. Okay. So especially in a city like Memphis, we look around, there are so many small businesses starting I think there's been a resurgence in interest in small business, also more awareness on, you know, Mm. what are some of the challenges people are facing, you know, both with our systems and access and all of these different things that I think are kind of playing together to just spark a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And I think what's going to probably really start happening is as we are empowering and enabling more and more individuals to Mm -hmm. start something, we're actually going to see businesses be a little bit smaller. I think there's going to be a wider divide between the really big businesses and the really small businesses. You know, I think we're going to see more artisans who have a specialty. Gotcha. And our challenge is going to be how as consumers do we support that? Hmm. Um, Because then there's this also growing thing, you know, we talk a lot about, we don't spend a lot of time talking about our competitors within our industry. Mm -hmm. I think we're all really conscious that our real competitors are convenience and distraction. Mm, So as an artisan business, you know, we're making things fresh. We're making things by hand. We're making things, you know, you can't order muddies on Amazon and have it just like poof in your mailbox tomorrow. Right. We are all really aware of the growing tension with having handmade from scratch products in an age where, People just more and more and more want to be able to order on their phone and they want it right now. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, it's not that they're willing to cut corners, 
but they don't even know that they're cutting corners. That's you know, true. they're not, right. there's not a lot of clarity about like, what are you giving up mm-hmm. in order to have it this way? So I think what's next in the industry is probably a lot of micro businesses figuring out how to support each other. And then for more established business like Muddy's, you know, what's our role in that? We're still a super small business. We're still like making stuff, you know, from scratch by hand. How do we make sure that we're both staying sustainable Mm -hmm. and have the customer base that we need and, you know, that we're supporting ourselves, but then also how do we contribute and sort of help create an environment where the specialty businesses can do that? You know, I think think that there's a lot of cooperation and play there that's going to play out in a really interesting way in the next few years. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And in that same vein, it actually kind of segues to my next question. In the same vein of like what money's place in, you know, you know uh, pouring into those micro businesses, small right. businesses, stuff like that. Around the country, and especially in Memphis, we are starting to see a lot of kid entrepreneurs. Yes. In like, you know, and definitely a lot of them in the pastry space. Right. So if there's a seven or eight year old right now that's in their kitchen and they're like, you know, I want to turn this into a business. What would the great cat Gordon, what advice would you give them? Ooh. Okay. I mean, I think I would tell them to keep, keep playing, follow the business, but also just don't lose. And this is whether Mm. you're eight or 80, because this happens all the time right. in maker businesses. It right. starts from a hobby and a thing that you enjoy mm-hmm. to then it's really easy for it to be super fun to do it as a business at first. And right. then if you're not careful, you have created this thing that you now feel obligated like to. Like it's, it's running you and so the other way around. Yeah. And I think, I think kids are just as susceptible to that right. as adults. Mm-hmm. So first of all, just don't feel self-conscious about playing. And not getting so wrapped up in this new identity as a precocious, like, oh, I'm an adult in an eight-year-old body. Adults need to also still play. That's true. So keeping that and owning that, that's actually something that you have. It's easier for you than it is for us. So don't be so quick to give it away. For sure. And then I would also say, exercise your curiosity. Be just as curious about the about the finances right. and how money works and about, guess what? Like, you're still going to have to learn code. Right. You know, what the health code is going to require right. of you. Exactly. You know, the things that sound more tedious. So if you could harness your eight-year-old curiosity about those things, mm-hmm. you know, the whole process is going to be so much more enjoyable to you. I heard that. When you said code, I was thinking, but not just health code, but also coding for like a website to even sell your awareness oh, and stuff like that. So yes. now for sure, be curious about all of the startup nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being back on the Startup Life podcast? I love it so much. <laughs> this is so fun. I mean, y'all have interviewed just so many, so many fun people. It's really interesting just to be able to kind of have this revisit um, and be a part of it. So yeah. Awesome stuff. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to the Startup Life. of the Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philipstein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by the Risk Management Society. Startup Nation, 
The Risk Management Society, or RIMS, is a global organization dedicated to the profession of risk management. For nearly 60 years, RIMS has delivered the latest strategies and resources that allow risk professionals to grow, innovate, and succeed in any business. RIMS works with industry leaders to produce content and online training that business professionals turn to. Topics include business continuity, cyber risk, risk management techniques, the fundamentals of insurance, and more. There is also a private members-only site where people can discuss sensitive issues and get honest answers. Members have been leaning on each other as we all navigate this global pandemic. If you're concerned about the safety of your employees and the sustainability of your organization, you need the resources and connections RIMS provides. Learn more at go.rims.org forward slash startup life. If you listen to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes. You can save 25% off a year long membership. So if you're ready to get the resources and strategies you need to manage risk, go with RIMS and join their global network of over 10,000 members across more than 60 countries. Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all-new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code the Startup Life in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything, go with Manscaped. Trust me, your family of jewels will thank you. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Kat, we're here in your beautiful kitchen. Tell us tell us not only about it, but tell us about the decision that went into saying, you know what, I need this kitchen. Wow. Okay. So our first, we actually had an offsite kitchen. Mm -hmm. Let me back up even further. So 2008, we did. We were at that original store on Sanderlin, uh, Sanderlin Center, and everything was in there. The kitchen out in the open, that little cash register definitely had chocolate batter flung on it four times than I care to count. (laughs) And we got to a place where we were producing over a thousand cupcakes, plus cakes, cookies, everything else in that tiny space. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the exact same space you go in now and see. So I mean, it's not in the back or something. So we actually built our first offsite kitchen as we were clearly bursting at the seams. We built our first offsite kitchen on Cooper where 2020 Diner is currently Mm -hmm. in 2009. We were there for three years and then we outgrew that. Gotcha. Um, Especially like the electrical infrastructure, Mm -hmm. all that. So 2012, we built out this kitchen that we're sitting in on beautiful Broad Avenue. Right, right. And, you know, this one, we we really kind of think took a gamble because... We weren't sure. We clearly, I mean, I never imagined when we first moved into our first offsite kitchen, mm-hmm. walking in there with 800 square feet of extra kitchen space, I remember distinctly looking around and thinking, how are we going to, this is so much space. How are we going to fill this? How We're never going to outgrow this. This is huge. Right. And then, right. you know, a mere three years later, we're having to you know, unplug some equipment to plug in other equipment <laughs> right, doing right. this toggling thing. So when we moved here, you know, I was really conscious building a kitchen is super expensive. Mm, uh, I can only imagine. And then putting in plumbing and electrical and a vena hood and all this stuff. So I knew that I didn't want to keep doing that every three years. Gotcha. So yeah, we moved into here on broad, knowing that we weren't going to fill the space up for a long time, you know, honestly, if ever, Um, but thought that this could give us some flexibility which it has, you know, we've got on the other side of these doors is the actual kitchen itself. We have some storage over there. And then the, you know, the side of the building that we're sitting in now is a collection of some open space and some storage and our custom baked studio operates here as well. And then yeah, 
staff workshops or now external workshops in right. here. So I think that the thinking behind it was just, we need a little more space and I don't want to move the kitchen a third time. So trying to find the sweet spot. Right. Definitely trying to find that balance for sure. Right. No, that's a super important. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. When you go to the website, Start Nation, there's a lot of different like cool names for different <laughs> the pastries and stuff like that. How do you come up with the names for those? Like there's got to be a story behind. Is it just like based oh on the gosh. season? Is it based on like the ingredients? Tell us a little bit about that. It could be anything. So yeah, some of them are ingredients. Like we were talking about our peach pies earlier. We call our peach pie peachy keen, Mm -hmm. which is like 40s, adorable (laughs) slang. Like, how's your day? Peachy keen. And, you know, clearly it's because peaches. So I think that one's easier to figure out. And then there are some like our capote cake or cupcake. Truman Capote. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little more <laughs> obscure. Right. And that came about, that's one of my favorite product stories because it's our beautiful, just like dark, dark chocolate cake base. Mm-hmm. And we do our white buttercream as the icing. So we don't tint the vanilla buttercream to put it on the capote. So you have this beautiful contrast Mm -hmm. and Truman Capote was a writer. So again, that like English nerd um, (laughs) coming out. But what was so great to me and so inspiring about Truman Capote wasn't actually what he wrote, but was this party that he was famous for throwing at the peak of his fame Mm -hmm. in New York. So he was the toast of every social circle. And he was this guy from the Midwest, kind of a weird author but he was so keenly aware that this was his moment of fame Mm -hmm. he knew it would be fleeting and he really wanted to use his power in that moment to make a statement so he threw this incredible gala and demanded that everybody wear black and white as an equalizing force Mm -hmm. and his guest list included all of the creme de la creme of new york society Included some members of European royalty, wow. but then also included people he knew from the Midwest and the family who'd hosted him when he was writing one of his books right. and starving artists. And it was this like reaching, he was so deliberate in his guest list, reaching across every racial, social, economic mm-hmm. group to use his moment to say, yep, and I'm inviting all these different people and you have to wear black and white and you have to wear a mask. Hmm. because you're going to you're going to collide with people not like you. I hear that. And it was just incredible and I feel like that's the kind of thing. I mean, that's a lot packed into one little cupcake name. It is. Name. It is. But yeah, you, know, you think about making food, especially I think baked goods. It's so often whether it's just like a little party you're having for yourself on a Tuesday <laughs> for like go meet right. or frequently you're taking it to friends, you're taking it to a birthday, you're taking it to something. It in its nature is meant to bring people together. Right. And I think you can create that at the table. So that was just, it's a small private, like, I mean, bless people's hearts. People struggle a lot, like capote, capote, chipotle. Um, I definitely don't expect that everyone just like sees the title and is like, oh, yeah, that's a statement. I I know what's going on, but I know. But when when somebody does it, I imagine it makes your day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like like English teachers, like English teachers love that one. Um, Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, and I think, like, to your question, so they really run the gamut. Sometimes it's a very, you know, kind of literal name. Right. Sometimes it's a name that's personal to the person who created the recipe. So we have some, you know, some of our items have someone's name Mm. attached to it. And that could be, you know, their name. They created the recipe. Or more frequently, it's an homage to the person who inspired the recipe. So we have a few things sort of throughout. You know, we've got like Lindy's Honey Rosemary Cookies. You know, Lindy was one of the first bakers that I hired. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she doesn't work here anymore, but like this was her. Right. And we've tweaked it over the years, but like we want to keep her name as this homage. I hear that. I hear that. On that same vein, I wanted to ask you about some of your baker's choice options. Like, like, tell me about that creative process and how that comes to be. Yeah. So I think one of the tensions that we're always wrestling with is our customers, of course, people like consistency. You want to know what to expect, but you also want to be surprised. There's a certain element of thrill to coming in and like, what did somebody choose to make for us today? And a lot of our job is balancing Mm -hmm. how much 
of each one of those to try to do. Right. Um, people are always craving more certainty. So there's always this temptation to just have a really rigid schedule <laughs> and publish it everywhere. And then this is it. This is just cut and dry and take it or leave it. And then of course, you know, on the other end is me who I would just love to treat every, every day. Like it was a fish show and be like, this is what I'm playing for y'all today. <laughs> like, ah, you can guess what is going to happen. Um, so, you know, I think as a team, we try to meet somewhere, somewhere in the middle there and having some clearly established baker's choice items. Mm-hmm. I think at least what we're hoping to do there is carve out a little space for surprises. Right. And it's not going to be stuff that just is untested. Like, right, Oh, we just put some stuff together and maybe it's not going to be our quality standards. Like it's typically things we've certainly still gone through the rigorous process, right. but we didn't tell you it was going to be on the menu today. Or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes those things have ingredients that are maybe a little more difficult to get hold of. And we don't want to tell you it's mm. going to be there because we don't want to disappoint you right, if sure. we're not able to get hold of it. So, yeah, I think that on our menu, having something that says Baker's Choice is meant to be a placeholder for, and this is going to be something wonderful and you're not going to know what it is until you get in here. <laughs> I have, speaking of not knowing uh, what something is, how many gender reveal cakes do you make? Oh, my gosh. A pretty good amount. <laughs> okay. Because that's kind of a really new trend now, right? Yeah, and like I get a little stressed about it. Like, oh, really? like, oh yeah. Well, I'm like really afraid I'm going to accidentally spill the beans um, and just you know because some people, some people, it's you know, mom and dad like know and they're getting it like they don't they're not going to be surprised they already know but they're getting it to surprise their parents like that's right. a little less stressful. Sometimes you know we're getting a call from the technician mm. or like they're bringing in the sealed envelope and gotcha. we know the gender of the baby before the parents do. <laughs> And then it's just like, you want to make sure they're getting the right thing, but you don't want to just be like, okay, please confirm that you're picking this up. Yep. This is your pink cake with yellow. Eyes. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, so they're so super fun. I mean, it's a cake surprise party. Right. For sure. But yeah, we do a pretty good number of those. And that is so fun. Okay. Because I mean, you're getting this whole eight inch layer cake. Like clearly these people are leaving sometimes not knowing what's inside. Right. And they're going to cut into it, you know, with, with their parents and, you know, with their families right. and just have this big moment. And I love seeing, especially on Instagram, right. when people post a picture of it afterward mm-hmm. and seeing, seeing the faces is just really, really charming. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about that because the thing is like, you know, and I think this speaks to us as business owners. A lot of times it's not, you're not really making the thing that you're physically making. Sometimes you're helping being exactly. part of a moment. Yeah. being part of a, you know, something special. And so I can only imagine it just brings deeper meaning to the work that you do and stuff like that. So, yeah. And it is interesting in this idea of sort of the the side, it's a sidekick kind of role, right? You know, and I think especially things like the gender reveal cakes or, you know, we've had a bunch of, you know, 90th and even some hundredth birthday Mm -hmm. cakes, you know, you can't, you can't inscribe that cake, you know, happy 100th birthday, to someone without thinking mm-hmm. and being so aware that right. this is a really momentous milestone Absolutely. event right. that you're both a part of and kind of not a part of. Right. You're like a cheerful lurker a little bit <laughs> in someone's moment, right? but in a really special way that I think just is this daily reminder of what we're actually doing. That's awesome. Really cool. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to ask you this as you, have you know scaled mud, muddies from from where it was into where it is now, and uh, how you've seen your industry kind of blossom and bloom and things of that nature, and how you pour back into the community. At the end of the day, what will be the legend of Cat Gordon? Oh wow! Yeah, big question. Um, <laughs> as I'm riding into the sunset, <laughs> the legend of Cat Gordon. Um, <laughs> wow, that. That is a great question. It's one I really want to think on some more. Okay. Um, I think my ego wants to say, like, oh, it will be this epic and (laughs) everyone will just be, I somehow went from like a sunset to dying to like, like, oh, everyone is just going to be so sad. Like, it's just going to be a million people at that funeral. And that's, that's my ego. I think my truer self really likes this idea of 
iteration. And okay. I think that gets back to, you know, teaching yes. both internally and externally and that learning. I'd really love for the legacy to be that some people that I've worked with, whether they, you know, consciously even attribute anything, but if there's something that somebody learns here that really positively impacts their life, mm-hmm. I think if that can just kind of happen over time, right. that would be a really, really cool legacy. I think we get kind of swept up sometimes in thinking like all of this, every tech company in the world would change the world. Like we're going to change the world. Like, well, what does this look like if you just positively impact a few people? Like that's right. not any less right. worthy. So right. I think that would be really, I think I'd be happy with that. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I know it was kind of a big question, but I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Because the thing what is... What was your legacy? Like, I want to just turn this one around. Wow. Like, Dominic, what, <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? For me, I, I didn't realize I was being interviewed. Yeah, there the you show. go. <laughs> after, after she killed it. Right. Uh, no, no, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, no worries if you want to change the world. No, like, no. <laughs> really quickly, one of the things that for me, there's a famous line by Tupac that says, I don't want to necessarily change the world. I want to spark the brain that changes the world. That's all I want to do. Oh, that's beautiful. I just want to be the person that helped propels. So you also want to be a hologram. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <No. laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome with my microphone. That'd be like a everything. secondary yeah, role to just sure, like slide sure. out in there. But no, I, I just want to be somebody that said, you know, I helped somebody and, yeah. and they put them on a journey to where maybe... They were going one way, and I was like, eh, here you go. And it just like totally a changed spark. the trajectory. Just a spark. That's all I want to be. Just a spark. That's so, so. awesome. <laughs> okay. I hope that quote makes it in the show notes. Like, I really <laughs> want to. I'm like, ah. It probably will. So it, it, great. It probably will. I want to ask you this. I want, I want to have a little fun with you. So have you heard of the game uh, One Must Go? No. Basically, you, you take four things, and you, you pick one that like has to just go. And just like you never see it again. And everything associated goes away. So let's go with. Cookies. Oh my gosh, so I like type one stuff. I just like got like pre anxious. So let's go cookies, pies, cake, or crisp. Which one has to go? Crisp. I have crisp. the pies. I'm good. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. That's it. That's uh, it. Oh. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, are you going to start naming family members? No. no. Is this going to get really dangerous? <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. Thank you for indulging me there for a second. Kat, what's your entrepreneurial superpower? Okay. I think my entrepreneurial superpower is the same as my spirit animal. Okay. Which I'm pretty sure I'm a lion. All right. Um, It's the, I think, I think the lion is the only cat that is also a herd, like a a pack cat. Like a pride or whatever. Yeah, it Um, might be. Don't quote me on that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really. I, I don't know my animal planet. Um, I'm just making it up. Right. Like, but I think that the entrepreneurial superpower is something that we don't always associate with entrepreneurs. I think we think of entrepreneurs as like these bold risk takers and loners. Right. And I really think mine is I have that like big sister protect the family mentality. Mm, okay. That you know, sometimes can be a challenge and I need to like push myself out of a little bit, but I think also sometimes gives me the edge in that sort of entrepreneurial personality of mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm not, don't feel like I'm just like running out there. Like I'm going to slay everything myself, but right. at the same time, a pretty keen sense of like, okay, I want to take seriously the responsibilities that I have to the people that I have those to. Got you. Um, so I think I'm pretty proud of that for myself. I, I can see that because when you say that, I'm thinking back to the last time we talked and you, you talked about how there was a certain situation where maybe you had a customer who was kind of a little unruly or something like that. And you kind of had to step in. It's like, yeah. hey, it's almost kind of like I'm going to protect my tribe at all costs. Right. <laughs> I will put my body between the threats <laughs> right. and but, the team. Hopefully not No, for sure. Day. I don't no, have to. Of course, lot, right? But yeah. You know, but no, I, I think that, that speaks to your level of leadership and saying, I'm going to take care of my people. Yeah. And I think when you scale to the way you've scaled and had almost 50 employees, I think that speaks highly of you and it definitely attributes to your success here and monies and stuff like thank that. You. No worries. No worries. So before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been amazing. 
once again. And I really appreciate, you know, we talked offline or whatever about how important you've been to the startup life. And I just want to say that on record that uh, you were one of the few people in the beginning that were willing to take a chance on us. And that means that's immensely, we're immensely grateful for that. And we appreciate that for sure. So I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody in Startup Nation that that's feeling a little stuck in their business or they're afraid to start. Give them some words of motivation. They'll be like, you know what? You got this. Just keep moving. Okay. This is going to seem counterintuitive, but I okay. promise this is what, this is what I, I think I probably needed to hear. Okay. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So just know that going in, don't set the bar at this level of perfection every single day, whether you're running a business or you're an artist or, or you're doing a job for somebody else. At the end of the day, it's all the same stuff. Don't let this you know need or desire to just get it perfectly or get it perfectly the first time or look like, you know, what you're doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't let like that's not the right thing to stop you. There right. are so many more dangerous things in the world than that. And think about, I've heard, you know, heard it referred to as the coffee shop challenge, but like going into a public place and just lying down on the floor for five seconds <laughs> just to get over the fact that like, yes, yeah, people might look at you like you're crazy. And that's the worst thing that will happen. Right. But I just think about how many times I've been paralyzed thinking, oh, what if it doesn't work out exactly right? And, you know, there are real threats out there in the world without making that be the thing that stops you from doing something that you care about. So I'd say just go into it thinking like, yeah, I'm probably going to fall down a little bit and I'm going to get right back up again. And it's not going to be that big of a deal and it's worth it just to do it. I hear that. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Kat, did you enjoy being back on the show? I loved it. You asked such great questions and I feel like I'm going to be just like really thinking about things in a different way after this. And thank you for answering my question. Letting me like kind of surprise you. That was awesome. No worries. All right, Startup Nation. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.